Well, hey, hey, everyone. Happy Wednesday night. Um, So we've got a couple of things to talk about. Well, many things to talk about. You guys have been sending me in questions uh, for the better part of the day, which I think is going to be really fun. We're going to do the Ask Me Anything in a minute, but I wanted to just pop on for kind of kind of a, like a semi-late night stream. Is that what we're calling this? Because it's not really late night. Let's be honest, like 930 is not late night. Um, but it's like semi-late night. Hang on. Hang on. I'm just going to give people a, tech, a second to pop on here because I didn't give anyone warning I was doing this. Not really. Not really. Um, and so we're just going to give people a second. Guys, mount that like button. People are saying they like the logo design. Thank you. I've been working on that for the better part of the last four hours. You got to find, because it's mostly just been like looking at graphics, to be honest. Like that's been the biggest thing. And then I had to do some, then I had to do some Photoshop. But I like it. And we're going to talk about what disenrage means. Some of you who are on my local Zoom call know what disenrage means. And a special shout out to uh, Boomher, who actually was the inspiration for that. Now, this this series that we're going to be talking about and what this is officially the first episode of, uh, I'm going to explain to you what disenrage is. Um, but the series in general was an idea I had been kind of like percolating on for... Um, the last couple of weeks as I had some downtime, as I was at Porkfest, as I was taking a little bit of a break um, to reevaluate how I want to exist in this space. And we're going to talk about what disenrage is and what some of my plans are moving forward. And we're going to do an AMA. And if you guys have questions that you would uh, like me to answer, well, the best place is actually to head over to my Locals community. And there is an AMA post in Locals right now that you can uh, you can ask questions on. Or um, some of you ask questions on Twitter. I have the, uh, the Twitter post pulled up. Some of you ask questions on Getter. I have that pulled up too. And of course, you are welcome to try your luck in asking a question here. Um, but I will tell you that the priority for questions here is going to be Super Chats. So if you uh, have a question, Sending in a super chat is going to be the best thing. You can ask a question about anything, but I would, um, you know, if I could give you some direction, I would say that tonight would be a good night for the uh, the big picture questions. Not necessarily the woke questions or the newsy questions or the politics questions or any of that. Not that we're leaving that completely behind. We're not. But I want to focus on some bigger picture things. Because I really believe, so let's just back up for a second. Several weeks ago, I don't even know how long ago was it, was it like three weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Yeah, about three weeks ago, I would say. Um, I had a little bit of a break. And what I mean by a break is I was just pushed to my absolute breaking point by the bullshit and the nonsense and the infighting and um, the stalking and the harassment that I have been experiencing in the anti-woke and the anti-critical race theory space for about a year, um, a little over a year, actually, like about a year, like uh, we're going to we're going to round up to two years in October. So whatever that time frame is. Um, and I hit a breaking point with it and I said, I need to stop. And some of you might remember that I did a whole stream where I cried. Um. Uh, there are actually more than 12 here, David, but if you're going to be a douche, you don't have to participate. And with people like that, 
with people like that who just cause problems and are naysayers and are just, you know, have have absolutely no interest in actually solving the problem. So I I've been taking it easy the past several weeks. I've been doing content here or there. I've been doing stuff with my locals, but I haven't been as consistent about it because I needed to take a step back and think about what I wanted to get out of this and what I wanted to contribute and whether or not the constant bullshit that I have to deal with um, is quite frankly worth those things. So I did that. I took a step back. And I um, last week was at Porkfest all week, which was pretty great. And um, I really had some time to think. And I have, I think, come up with a strategy that is um, that I'm going to explain tonight, which is the disenrage strategy. Um, but I also wanted to mention that while I was at Porkfest, apparently the bullying and the uh, the bullshit continued because I I have just found out and have seen myself that now some of the same people that were coming at me. Um, are now going after Corey DeAngelis, which is the stupidest thing in the world. Those same people, by the way, have also attacked Chris Rufo. Not in the same things that they've done to me, but the same people that are uh, that have been spewing some some of the same people. I should say that some of the same people in the suppo- supposedly in the anti woke and the anti CRT space have been um, spewing bullshit at they've spewed bullshit at Chris Rufo rolls off his back. He's a he's a warrior. Um, and now in the last week, they've been doing it to Corey DeAngelis, too. And so for those of you who think that I'm just like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Um, uh, they're they're making my life miserable. No, it's actually not just directed at me. There are there it, other people are involved as well. And the reason I bring this up is because it is actually important to consider in the overall context because what is going on with the amount of bullshit and infighting in the anti-woke and the anti-CRT space, it is making it impossible for us to be successful in the way things are going right now. It is just absolutely making it downright impossible because there are there is a, a, a um, critical mass of people within the space that have themselves become the monster they're fighting. Now, some of you, and Nathan says, as a conservative, I think you're a great voice, Carlin. Thank you, Nathan. I really, really appreciate that. Um, And thank you for the super chat. And I see a new super chat coming in from Nat D. So I'm just going to wait a second for that to load on my screen. There it is. Glenn Greenwald defended Chris Rufo. I was happy. I was very happy to see that as well. Um, And I think Chris is like, he doesn't let any of this bother him. I don't think. Um, I don't think he does. And I don't think Corey does either. Um, And, you know, so I'm not, again, I'm not like, you know, saying that this is going to stop the two of them from doing their thing. My point is that there are a lot of people who supposedly have been fighting back against like the woke insanity in our culture that have um, turned into the monsters that they're fighting. Now, I don't know how many how many of you watching have been on my channel for a while, but um, how many of you I actually let me ask how many of you in the chat um, were watch have been watching me since at least the 2020 election how many of you have been watching me since at least then if not before then and the reason i ask this is i posted a video the day after the election in 2020 and um i was in a pool it is the only video i promise you that i will ever post from a pool but i was in a pool in florida 
<coughs> I was at um like a really nice house and I was taking a swim the next day after the crazy election. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. And um I did this video from a pool where I said, please do not become the monster you're fighting. And because I could already, I don't know what, I mean, I like, obviously at that point, we didn't know what was going to go on with the election. We didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, all of the nonsense that we are dealing with now was but a twinkle in our eye. And for some reason in my head, all I was thinking was that if the right loses, they're going to become the monster that they were fighting. And not just the right, quite frankly, any anyone who was against like the left, anyone who, you know, voted for Trump, um, like um, just, you know, maybe you weren't a conservative or maybe you weren't a Republican, but you really thought that the Democrats were crazy. It was like I could see it play out in my head. It was like one of those moments where I was like having like I was being like it was like divinely inspired. I could see what was going to happen. I didn't know exactly how it was going to happen, but I, I begged people do not become the monster you're fighting. And a lot of people ignored me and a lot of people became exactly the monster that they're fighting. And it has gotten progressively worse uh, ever since then, bit by bit by bit. And if you haven't seen that, you're like, Carlin, I don't know what you're talking about. Just watch. Just watch how people are behaving. Watch the people that have gone after Chris Rufo. Watch the people that are going after Corey DeAngelis. And by the way, James Lindsay is also going after Corey DeAngelis. I do not think James Lindsay is a bad guy. I think James Lindsay is invaluable. I don't know why he's doing this. Um, I don't like it. But I'm not writing off James Lindsay. And I just want to be clear about that. I think James Lindsay is a warrior and absolutely critical in this fight. I don't like what he's doing. But... I even worse than don't like what James Lindsay is doing. I don't like what his followers are doing. And that, that, that is a whole other discussion for a whole other day. But my point is this, we are not in a position to be able to win or change anything when people are more interested in fighting each other than they are in winning when people are more interested in throwing stones in their own house than they are in winning. And so I knew that I could not continue to engage with the people that were doing this. It's just not, it, it is not healthy for me at all. And that's what led to me having my little breakdown a couple weeks ago when I did that video crying. Because I don't want to give this up. I think that the fight against the woke insanity against this cultural revolution, against critical race theory, against uh, against all of this stuff, I against like the grooming in schools, against, you know, whatever. We can make a laundry list of those things. I think that it is important. And I meant what I wrote in my book. There's a line in my book. I believe it's in the first, it's either, I think it's in the first chapter. I'm pretty sure it's in the first chapter where I said that if you ever wondered what you would have done in 1930s Germany or during the civil rights movement, what you are doing now is the answer to what you would have done then. I meant all of that. I think that this is important. I think that it is critical that the people who can speak up do speak up. I think it is critical that the people who can do something do do something. The problem is that a lot of people have lost their effing way and they are making it 
extraordinarily hard for the rest of us. Extraordinarily hard. So, I've decided that I'm going to start taking a new strategy. Um, both to maintain my sanity, but also because, you know, not to sound too cheesy or anything, but like, be the change you want to see in the world, yada, 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 whatever. So what is that new strategy? Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit doing the anti-woke and the anti-CRT stuff. Don't worry about that. Strategy one, in addition to the YouTube channel that you are currently watching me on right now, some, most of you, I think, know this, but maybe some of you don't. I have a second YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash actively unwoke. You can find the link to it in the description below this video. youtube.com slash actively unwoke. If that title sounds familiar, it is exactly the same title as my book. So if you have any question, the book, my book here has wax on it, has candle wax on it because I was carving into a candle earlier. We got to clean that up. Got to clean that up. But if you're wondering how to spell actively unwoke, there it is because it is the same title as my book, youtube.com slash actively unwoke. Boop, 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 boop. I'm going to be moving some of my content over there. I'm going to be moving um, my anti-woke, anti-CRT content to my second channel. So if you follow me exclusively for that content, then you want to go and subscribe to the second channel. This is the channel that I already do happy hours on at 5 p.m. on Fridays. So many of you are already on that channel. Um, and and But other than that, I've been kind of doing some of my anti-woke or anti-CRT content on my main channel because I have more subscribers on this channel. And so I wanted the reach to be better. Um, so I had been doing it here. I'm going to be moving that content specifically over to youtube.com slash actively unwoke. And we're already doing stuff there. I already have a podcast that I'm doing there. And so this is going to be uh, part of my strategy. Number one is shifting that content to my second channel. Because on this channel, I want to be able to do other stuff. And I'm going to explain to you what that other stuff is in a second. Jana says, uh, what differentiates the grifters from the truly unwoke entertainment industry if the end result is the same? Yeah. Uh, what differentiate? Hang on. Let me. I'm, I want to make sure I'm answering the question that you're asking. What differentiates the grifters from the truly unwoke entertainment industry if the end result is the same? I'm not sure I understand the entertainment industry part of that. Um, if you could let me, if you could clarify in the chat, um, and I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name exactly. I know, I know who you are, but I don't know how to pronounce your first, like the production value. Is that what we're talking about? Um, just, you don't have to send in a super chat, but I, I, I'm looking for a clarification in the, in the chat on this one. Cause I'm not sure I know exactly what you mean. Like the IDW, like, like, so, so like we have like the grifters, and then I do think there's unwoke entertainment, but I'm not sure I would, I'm not, or like the IDW, I'm not sure I would say that the IDW is different than grifters. I'm not sure I would say that the unwoke entertainers among us are different than grifters. I think they're exactly grifters. So if you're asking me what differentiates the people who are just saying these things for money and the people who are um, like creating like educational or intellectual content around this, I mostly think they're grifters. I don't consider, oh yeah, like the Daily Wire, grift. People people are mentioning that in the chat, grift. 
most of the IDW grift. And I say that because I don't think they have any interest at all in solving the problem. I don't think they have any interest at all in solving the problem. I think they want to seem like they have an interest in solving the problem. I don't think they actually do, though. Now, I look at someone like a James Lindsay, and remember, I gave James Lindsay a little bit of criticism just a minute ago because I do not like that he's going after Corey DeAngelis. But I don't think that James Lindsay is a grifter. I think that James Lindsay is legitimately interested in solving the problem. I think that James Lindsay would do whatever he thought he could do to try to solve the problem. And I would say the same thing of Corey DeAngelis. I would say the same thing of Chris Rufo. I don't think any of them are grifters. Uh, okay. Uh, Kana? Is it Kana? Do I have that right? Okay. Uh, the Daily Wire, Tom McDonald both produce counter entertainment. If the end result is the same, is that a bad thing? Um, I think Tom McDonald is fine. I think Tom McDonald is an, is an entertainer. I don't think he's a bad guy though. I think he's an entertainer. I think, I think Tom McDonald is doing something very different than the Daily Wire. Kana. That's cool. I wouldn't have thought that. Okay. I think Tom McDonald is doing something different than the Daily Wire. Tom McDonald is a very talented, creative entertainer that is focusing on culture. That is something that is very different to me than what the Daily Wire is doing. The Daily Wire is not and will never solve the problem. The Daily Wire is not interested in solving the problem. In fact, the Daily Wire is only interested in perpetuating the problem. That's it. The Daily Wire dies if the problem dies. The Daily Wire is trying to build up their own separate economy. That's not solving the problem. That's taking your toys and going home and profiting as much as you can in the meantime. So I don't believe that Tom McDonald... I think that what Tom McDonald does is important in terms of influencing culture, in terms of reaching people in a new way, in terms of creating art. I think he's extremely creative. I think he's extremely talented. Um, I think he's way more talented than, than anyone at The Daily Wire. And I don't hate everyone at The Daily Wire, by the way. The Daily Wire has some good people, but The Daily Wire is a grift. It is to maintain their money and their status. It is not to solve anything. So I don't believe the Daily Wire will ever result in that. I don't believe that most, I don't, I don't believe that the post-millennial will ever result in that. I think the post-millennial makes its money off of owning the left, off of, off of posting cringe videos on Twitter and then writing news stories about those uh, cringe videos and the people who tweet about them. Like things like that, they're not going to solve the problem. Um, trigonometry. I think trigonometry is great, but I don't think that they're activists, but that, like, I'm, I'm not going to shit on those guys. I think those guys are really good. Megan Kelly, I think is an entertainer. I don't think she cares about solving the problem at all. I'm just responding to names people are putting in the chat or people watching the video. Anyway, so we, we've hit a reality in which people are confused. And this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about. We are in a moment where people are very confused about who are the people who actually care about solving the problem and who are taking advantage of the problem just to make money. And the vast majority of people that are in this space, especially the IDW types, they are not in it to solve the problem. They are only in it to make money. That's it. And people need to know that and they need to hear that. They are only in it for money and for status. Most of them. That's not to say they don't care at all. I think on some level they do care. 
but they don't care enough to do anything productive to actually solving the problem. So I'm not going to give them too much credit. Now, there are also a whole bunch of people within the anti-woke, anti-CRT space who want to be those people that are making the money. And so their focus is on how do I get as much many likes and clicks and shares and subscribers and numbers as possible? And there's nothing, I guess, inherently wrong with that, except if you're pretending that you actually want to solve the problem when, in fact, what you are doing is going after your fellow content creators and your fellow activists and, and your fellow people in that space to create the content that you think you need to create in order to make money. So those people are a problem, too. Then you have the real activists. Then you have the people who are actually out there trying to do things. I would say Gabrielle Clark is one of those activists. She's out there every single day killing herself to try to do things. I think that um, that James Lindsay is one of those people. I think even though I do take issue with some of the things he's doing right now, he is out there trying to do things. He is out there teaching people. He is out there doing everything he can to try to make sure people understand this. I think Chris Rufo is legitimate. I think Corey DeAngelis is legitimate. I think Ian Pryor is legitimate. I think Nicole Solis is legitimate. I think Paul Rossi is legitimate. I think Frank McCormick is legitimate. There are a lot. I think Jody Shaw is legitimate. I think there are a lot of people out there that are legitimate activists that are trying to change this space. Those are the people who you don't see them engaging in this infighting bullshit. Those are the people who you actually see out there doing things, creating content that actually is teaching people, is helping people to understand what's going on. Those are the people that are, those are the people who ultimately care about solving the problem. So I'm telling you guys this because it is important to be able to distinguish between the two. And by the way, the list that I gave is not an exhaustive list of people that I think are legitimately interested in solving the problem. Okay, it's not an exhaustive list. I don't want anyone to feel bad if they were left out. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I don't have a script. So the problem that that people like me and people like Gabs, and people like all of those people who are legitimately trying to do something face, is we are constantly overwhelmed with grifters and hanger-oners and people who are just doing this to make a fucking name for themselves and organizations that are only interested in fundraising to be able to try to say that they did something, but they don't actually really do anything. Like, it is a constant fucking uphill battle. And then when you add the infighting bullshit on top of it, it becomes an almost impossible mountain to climb. And that's why I hit a breaking point three weeks ago. Because I feel as though I am climbing an impossible mountain and I'm getting the shit kicked out of me by people on my own team. So, what do we do about that? Well, I can't speak for anyone else. But I have to start taking a different strategy. And that's to say, again, I'm still going to do this content. I just had a book come out. I think it's a fucking good book. The content will be at youtube.com slash activelyunwoke related to this. Subscribe to that channel. But I also focus, camera. Focus. Focus. Why isn't my camera focusing? I don't know. What did I just do? There it goes. Okay. So I need to start taking a different strategy, though, because I think that 
I think that we need to do more than just talk about the woke stuff and pontificate about the woke stuff and um, congratulating each other for understanding the woke stuff. I think we actually need to start building culture. And I think we actually need to start building people up. And I think that we need to start looking at what is beyond all of this. Because when you get sucked into the anti-woke space, what happens is that it really does become an obsession. And uh, and it becomes like the center of your universe. And I think the reason it does is because there is so, 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 so much that you have to learn. And there's so much especially when you just get thrown right into it you are it is like it is like the the what is the the fire hydrant on the street has been opened and the water is just spewing onto the street there is so much to assimilate and so much to learn and so you have to be in it all the time to really learn it and when you're in it all the time i think you forget about the bigger picture i think you forget about why we're here to begin with and how awesome the world is because the world is fucking awesome guys it really is there life is amazing life is is unexpected and surprising and and you can have a new adventure every single day if you want to you can try on new personas every single day you can be you can be whoever you want to be you can create whatever you want to create there's so much to see in the world there's so many good people in the world there's so many inspiring stories there are so many things that that you can watch and read and think about and create that make you feel good there's so much art and music and culture and like just interesting ideas that people have there's so much that's good in the world and when you're in this space and you're living in this space constantly we can start to forget that you know i wrote about this in the book um it was in like i think it was in the second chapter maybe i'm not sure it's definitely in the first section of the book i wrote about how um after the 2016 election I really think that the reason that I didn't get sucked into the woke ideology with my friends, because all of my friends did after Trump got elected, holy shit. All of my friends, all of my lefty friends went insane. They all lost their minds. And I didn't. And I really, really believe that the reason that I didn't lose my mind after Trump got elected, when all of my friends did, Everyone I was surrounded by did, except for my husband. Maybe maybe I should give Victor some more credit. Victor, you're probably, you probably had something to do with it too. I kind of wish I could go back and say, my husband it was part of the reason that I'm not woke today. Well, I'm saying it now, I guess. But no, uh, besides, besides my, the, my, besides Victor being like the only non-woke person in my life, um, I went to Peru to do ayahuasca for 10 days on a mountaintop where I didn't have access to the internet. And I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to go to Peru to do ayahuasca in order to avoid becoming woke. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I was there. I, I So Trump got elected at the beginning of November. Two weeks later, I went to Peru. So it was really right on top of e each other. And my thought at the time was like, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Might as well go do psychedelics. <laughs> 
with a group of strangers in a foreign country where I don't speak the language. It was a brilliant plan, if I do say so myself. But I really do think that that was the game changer for me because when I was on that retreat, it's more than just doing psychedelics, okay? There, there It's a whole, like, it is a whole getting away from the world as you know it and focusing on yourself and your inner peace and the bigger picture. And when I did that, when I came home, I had a completely different perspective on life, on why we're supposed to be here, on the world around us, than anyone I know, really. And I got really into spirituality. And I had been involved in it before. I've had my belief system for like a really long time. Um, but I really, really, really dug into it. And I really got into meditation. And I really got into personal development. And I really got into learning about all of these weird kind of like different characters in the world that are just creating different things because i do think that every moment we're awake we are creating our experience and creating creative being creative is not just about like making music or making art or any of those things every single one of you every moment of your day is creating what your life is you are creating the person that you are you are creating how you show up in the world you are creating how you serve other people and so I had this bigger picture perspective that sure Trump was in office and he was insane and like racist and whatever. That's what I thought then. I don't think that now. Well, Trump is a little insane, but whatever. We'll, we'll put that aside. I had this bigger perspective that even if there was an evil racist Nazi, whatever, whatever, whatever in the white house, there it, it's a blip in it's a blip on the radar. It's a blip in time. Like, we survived worse things before, we'll survive worse things again. And so I was really looking at it as like, okay, well, there's probably going to be good that comes from this somehow. I was hoping and praying there was going to be good that came from it, and there was, obviously. But I was able to put what I thought was a really bad, upsetting thing in a larger context that made that thing okay, that made that thing not as crazy. I lost all that two years ago. Well, two years and several months ago now. I lost all that when my Trump rally article went viral on the internet. Because from February 2020, basically up until very recently, because I got thrown into this space where I was doing politics and I was doing this online content thing and I was, you know, in, the, in doing walk away and doing this anti-CRT stuff and everything I was doing... I got put into this box where I could no longer see or have as much connection to the bigger picture as I had before. And I think that the reason that happened was because I was surrounded by so many more people telling me what to say and telling me what to do and telling me, you know, what the talking points were and telling me what I could and could not say and how I who and who I could not interact with and all this stuff. I was surrounded all of a sudden by not just like influencers and people that I knew in real life, but do you guys have any idea what it's like to go from like, I had 6,000 followers on Twitter when this started in February, 2020. I have 70 some odd now. That is a what? 11, 12 times increase 
over what I had. And that's just on one social network. And like a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers, which I never thought I'd have in my life. Like all it, it wasn't just that I had like all these like, you know, I mean like decently influential people in this space talking in my ear. I also had all of these other people talking in my ear as well. And it made and I'm not suggesting that any of those people had bad intentions, but for me, it took away my ability to be able to see the bigger picture and to be able to go outside of that box because you can even go back and watch some of the earlier videos I did right when this channel started taking off. I started talking about my spiritual beliefs way back then and I got attacked really, really badly for it. I got attacked really, really badly. And so I learned very quickly that if I was going to exist in this space and I was going to advocate um, at that time for like Democrats to leave the party and elect Trump, I had to put my own interests aside. I had to put my beliefs aside. I had I couldn't talk about them publicly because I would get attacked every time I did by people who weren't able to see outside of the box that they put themselves in. I'm not saying they're bad people, but they just didn't get what I was, what they didn't get my perspectives. They didn't get my view of the world. And so I thought, okay, well, this is not, I don't have to talk about this stuff publicly. And so I kind of put it to the side to be able to focus on the politics and trying to get as many Democrats as I could to leave the party. Now, this was really difficult. And I think that this in retrospect, you know, I'm not upset that I did it in 2020. I th I wish I would have gotten to the place I'm at now earlier. And I'm going to, again, we're going to get there. But I really want to explain to you guys how, how difficult this was and how much of like a mind fuck this was. And this is part of the reason that I think that changing direction and doing this disenraged thing is important. Um, it's all connected. Because up until that point, I had spent the last several years of my life before that article went viral on the internet, I literally had built a life where I didn't have to talk to anyone I didn't want to talk to. I was so strategic about how I built my life. I had my own business. I had a very successful consulting practice. I only took on clients that I wanted to take on. I turned away clients all the time that I didn't want to work with um, because I just didn't think they would be a good fit. And I thought that they would make my life harder than it needed to be. I was, I had spent years building a system and a business that allowed me to ignore every single person in the world that I did not want to talk to. It was amazing. It was awesome. I literally only got to be around the people that I, I perceived to be making my life better and not worse. And then overnight, I am surrounded with tens of thousands of people who are telling me what I can say and what I can't say and what I can do and what I can't do and yada, 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 yada. That was an epic, epic mindfuck. And it threw me for a little while. I'm going to be honest. Threw me for a little while. But where I've come to now is that I am choosing to opt out of all of that bullshit. I am choosing to opt out of all of it because I can't do it anymore. I liked being able to have a higher perspective. I think it was valuable. I think it made me better able to be able to maintain the mindset that I needed to maintain. And I think a mindset that is really, really valuable. 
And so I really thought a couple weeks ago when I had that uh, crying video on my channel, I really thought I was going to quit. I really did. I was like, F this. I'm disengaging. This is not worth it. It is not like people want too much from me and I'm not getting enough out of it. And F it all. I really thought I was going to quit. But if you think something is important, you don't just walk away from it. And so in the last couple of weeks of thinking, I've had to create a new plan. Because I don't want to disengage. But I do want to disenrage. Because I do think that one of the problems that we are experiencing in the anti-woke and the anti-CRT space is that too many people have become the outrage addicts that they're fighting. Too many people have gotten addicted to those little clippy videos that the post-millennial puts out that are just enraging people. Too many people are becoming addicted to what Libs of TikTok is doing. And again, I don't think Libs of TikTok is doing anything wrong. But if you are watching videos that are just pissing you off all day, every day, repeatedly, dozens of times a day, you're going to get addicted to that. And you're going to get addicted to the negative emotions that come with that. And I don't want to buy into that anymore. I think it's driving people crazy. I think it is making people lose focus on the bigger picture. I think it is turning people against each other. They're forgetting who their enemy is. They think everyone is their enemy. Everything is framed in the worst possible way. Everything is framed in the most outlandish possible way. And it's not just on the woke left anymore. It is now on the right and in whatever you want to call the anti-woke or anti-CRT space. And none of that, by the way, actually accomplishes much. None of it really accomplishes anything. With as much as Libs of TikTok has exposed actual insanity, what has Libs of TikTok tangibly accomplished that has moved the needle? And again, that's not a knock against Libs of TikTok. I think that the role that Libs of TikTok plays is that they expose what's going on. But it is incumbent upon people to take what is being exposed and to go do something with it. And I'm not convinced that's happening. And I think that one of the reasons that it's not happening is because I think that we have a disempowerment problem and we have a problem with perspective and we have forgotten what we're fighting for. So to come back to the name of this series, and again, full credit to, to Boom because I, I, I had the concept in my head but today on our Zoom call, Boom said to me, Carl, and I was I was kind of talking about the direction of the channel on my local Zoom call today, which by the way, hang on, I'll put my little clippy banner up. If you would like to get involved on my local Zoom calls, all you need to do is become a member in kb.locals.com slash support. You can invite it to all of our private Zoom calls. We do two of them a week. But Boom today said to me on um, when I was explaining this concept to them, because they got they got to hear about it first. She said, Carlin, you're not disengaging. You're disenraging. That's what the goal is. And by the way, she gave me permission to go and use this however I wanted to use it. So I'm giving full faith and credit to Boom. But I'm going to take that. Because that's fucking brilliant. And that sums up in a word exactly what I want to do. 
I want to create content that helps to dis-enrage. I want to create content that helps people to blow off steam, to see the bigger picture, to be inspired by other stories in life, to be inspired by things that are creative or things that are interesting or things that maybe even are disturbing, but in a different way than than what is going on with the, the CRT stuff. And so I'm not saying I'm going to do this exclusively. I'm going to create all sorts of content. There's There are a lot of different things I want to do, and I still do want to make fun of the news. I like mocking the news. I like doing sassy Saturdays and reaction videos. Those things make me happy. And I think that's got to be the name of the game. I want to do content that I find interesting and that makes me happy. And I think that you guys are going to find it interesting and it'll make you happy too. What I want to do is um, I'm going to be launching what I'm going to call it the disengage. The, excuse me. Oh, gosh. What I'm going to be doing is launching what I'm calling the Disenrage series. The Disenrage series is going to be a series of interviews and and talks that I'm going to have around a wide variety of areas. A wide variety of things that I find interesting and I find inspirational because I think the more that we can show people how much creativity and how much opportunity and how much just like interesting stuff goes on in the world, how much we can talk about like our place in the world and our place in the universe and what the meaning of life is and aliens and UFOs and our the origins of our existence. That to me is all very inspiring. And all that to me puts a lot of other things in their proper context. So what I'm going to be doing and I am going to be like, of course, we're going to do um, streams on my YouTube channel is I'm working right now on scheduling a series of guests that are specifically for my disenrage series. I want to tell interesting stories about the human experience. I want to think about the origins of where we come from, why we're here, different perspectives, different ways to live life, different creative ways people show up in the world, different projects that people are doing that I just think are interesting. And I want it to be with the specific purpose of exploring different aspects of the human experience. And yeah, just asking is right. Anything can be content. Anything can be content. But I don't want to be focusing on all of the awful things that are going on around us. I don't want to be focusing on the gender stuff. There are other people doing that. I don't want to be focusing on the vaccine stuff. There are other people doing that. I want to focus on what the human experience is with the specific purpose of creating content that I hope will be optimistic and inspiring and interesting and give people a larger perspective on what this is. So the Disenrage series is going to, I'm. this is going to be the first video, the first episode, if you will. I'm going to be doing videos on my channel. I'm going to be doing, um, I'm also going to be creating an audio only podcast, which I'm not going to do a video podcast. We're not going to mess around with that, F that. But I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to be creating a podcast out of this and distributing it on all the podcast platforms. That's why I had to screw around for four hours today with an effing logo. Because you can't have a podcast until you have a logo, apparently. 
but that's going to be what this is. I'm going to do conversations with different types of people. I'm going to uh, tackle questions that I think are bigger picture. And we're going to talk about some of those questions tonight. I'm going to pontificate. I'm going to pontificate on what I think the meaning of life is and what I think what spiritual concepts I like and mindfulness concepts I like. And I'm going to bring on different teachers that I've learned from and different people that I think are going to be inspiring to everyone and that are going to teach me and teach you at the same time. Because although we can still do this, we can and will still do this. This is not all of life. This, and I'm holding up my book for people who are maybe listening to the audio of this. Fighting back against the woke and the CRT stuff and all of the rest of it is not life. It's just something that we all do. It's something that we're interested in. It's something that we think is important. But it should not be everything. It should not be everything. And so that is the direction that I'm going to take this in. I am tired of being pissed off all the time. I am tired of engaging with people that I think are bringing down my experience rather than lifting it up. And I'm not talking about anyone in the chat right now. I am talking about the bullshit going on in the anti-woke space where people are acting a whole lot woke. So I am choosing to disengage with that bullshit to be able to spend more time doing things that are going to reduce the temperature in the room. Because I think that one of the most underlooked aspects of all of what is going on in the world right now is that people are people don't realize how much personal power they have. And there are so few people that are actually working on building people up. Everyone is ripping everyone down. Everyone is ripping down everything. It's like a sport. We need to be lifting people up and showing them what life can be and showing them how much power they have to control their experience and how much how much power they have to not engage with any of this woke, woke bullshit and how they don't even have to acknowledge it. That's what we need to be showing people. We need to be giving people an alternative to life, to this, this woke bullshit life. You know, the woke left want you to be nothing more than robots. Saying exactly the words they want you to say and doing the jobs they want you to do and not questioning what you, what you see in front of you at all. That's what the government wants. That's what the schools want. That's what the progressives want. That's what the activists want. That's what the politicians want. That's what everyone wants. The only way to counter that is not to fight it directly because we will never win. They control everything. The only way to counter that is to remind people of how much power they really have and how awesome what this world is and, and all of the things that they're fighting for and all of the things that they can focus their time and energy on. We need to focus on love, on expansion, on creativity, on feeling good, on feeling empowered. That's where our energy and attention needs to be. Not as much on the bullshit. Again, we can do the bullshit. We're going to do it. But where I focus on, and actually one of the things that I'm really proud of with my book, is that 
I think I do it in an optimistic way. And I think, and people in the chat can speak up, but I've heard from a lot of people in the chat, and I didn't actually expect this, to be honest. I've heard from a lot of people in the chat that they found my book to be an optimistic view of the woke. So we're going to make fun of them. We're going to make fighting back against them a sport that we could all, like, that we can all feel good about. And we're going to remind ourselves in the Disenraged series about why we're doing it and all of the reasons that we have to push back against this bullshit. Dragonwater says, Carlin, let your fire burn and shine its light. I appreciate that, Dragonwater. Thank you. And Joseph Jonathan says, we need things that bring love and hope too. That is exactly right. And that's what I'm going to try to do. And you know what? You guys might like some of my content. You might hate some of my content. Um, I am going to be doing, in addition to the Disenraged series, and I'm just starting to book those interviews, guys, so that's going to be a minute to kind of get it up to speed. Um, but I do have some really interesting people lined up. Again, like next Wednesday, I have a guy from the Church of Satan coming on to talk about what, what it means to be in the Church of Satan. Now, you might think that Satanism might not be the most optimistic of things, but you know why I love the idea of having someone from the Church of Satan on? Because he is living his own life and he is doing what he wants to do and damn what anyone else thinks. And I think learning about his perspective and why he believes what he does, even if you don't agree with it, even if you think, uh, even if you think that uh, we're all going to hell, I think that that's interesting. I've got a guy that I'm going to be bringing on to have, I hope, what is, you know, hopefully one of many conversations about spirituality. I'll tell you more about that when I but when we actually decide on a time. But um, you know, he's agreed to come on. I have Joshua has agreed to come on and talk about what it's like to be a psychic because I think that's interesting. I want to find people to talk about the origins of where we all come from. I want to find people to talk about um, our place in the universe, the meaning of life. I want to find people have recommended and got, by the way, guys, please leave a comment. Um, if you have a recommendation of someone you would like me to interview and like me to talk to, um, because I'm going to be looking at you guys for some of these, because I don't, I know people I want to talk to, but I don't watch content creators like a lot of you do. And so if you have people that you think would be interesting for this, let me know. But I have, I want to, um, someone suggested to me that I, uh, interview this like vampire guy, which I thought was a really good idea. I have like, um, people who are into like uh, metaphysics and meditation and um, like massage and Reiki and all of those things. I've got people that I'm going to be lining up for that to like, again, look at different like healing modalities, think about why this stuff works. There's so many cool things. There's so many interesting conversations that we can have that are completely separate from this bullshit, but that the woke bullshit would destroy if it had its way. So if you have suggestions, let me know. But what I also wanted to do tonight is I thought I would maybe give a little bit of a preview of what I hope is going to be some of the content um, that I want to do in this series. And I thought I would do that in the form of an Ask Me Anything. And I really encouraged people in the Ask Me Anything to um, ask me bigger picture questions about life, about spirituality, about all of those things. 
And so I've got those questions on my screen in front of me. And I thought we'd just, we'd just take some questions. Um, I thought we would just like have a conversation and talk about the bigger picture and talk about just like different, well, well, we're going to talk about my worldview at the moment, but you know, I think that hearing about people's life experiences and about their perspectives, um, is something that I think that, um, I just think it's important. And I think that it's, uh, and I would like to learn from you guys in the chat too. For those of you who are watching live right now, like I want to hear from you in the chat too, what you think about some of these questions. Some of them, um, I, I haven't really looked at the list of questions at all, to be honest. Um, there, I put them on a whole bunch of different platforms. So I'm going to be taking questions from different platforms. We're going to start with my locals members, of course. Locals are top priority. But I always just think it's interesting hearing about those different life experiences. So if we're going to do a series to hopefully uh, piss people off a little bit less, we need to talk about life experiences. So let's dig into our Ask Me Anything. And uh, so I'm going to be starting. I put a post in my locals community. Um, oh, gosh, there are a whole bunch of questions on this one. So I'm just going to start going down and uh answering some of those questions and we'll see uh we'll see how this goes and hopefully you know we're just going to talk about perspectives and life let's see let's see i'm going to start off at the bottom of the post uh ba, ba, ba. murphy's pool says why was ernest goes to jail snubbed at the 1991 oscars i don't think i need to answer that murphy's pool but thank you for starting us off with a zinger um uh nick says with the anunnaki were the Great Pyramids used as ancient landing pads as suggested by Dr. Daniel Jackson? I don't know that I believe the pyramids were used as landing pads necessarily. I think that the that the the pyramids were used more like antennas, where there have been people who've talked, and this is especially true in um like the Great Pyramid. There have been people who've talked about you know, doing ceremonies in the Great Pyramid and having the energy be just like something that's like otherworldly. And so there there are pyramids in, in, oh gosh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I haven't actually thought about the Anunnaki or like ancient origin stuff in a while, um, but I find it so fascinating. We're definitely going to do shows on it. But the ancient pyramids were also directly aligned with like a settlement in Africa that they think was like the original original like settlement of of people and so and, and it's like in direct alignment to it is like a perfect line and so what i think is that those things were more like antennas that were like guiding people where to go but i don't think they were specifically landing pads let's see jess says oh this is a fun question jess what is your favorite thing about being married? What is your favorite thing? Only one about Victor. Oh, God. What is my favorite thing about being married? That I don't have to date anymore. <laughs> That's probably the truth. I always hated dating. Um, My favorite. No, I mean, I think my favorite thing about being married is that, like, I have absolute and total faith that I like Victor's never Victor and I are never gonna separate. Like it is not going to happen. For no other reason than like we're both really lazy. And I don't think either of us ever want to date again. And I think that like like Victor and I haven't even ever really gotten into we got we've gotten into in our we've been married almost eleven years. Um we've gotten into maybe two fights, like really serious fights in like eleven years, which I think is pretty good. Um, 
not a perfect record, but I think it's a pretty, pretty good record. And um, I, you know, I think what I like most about it is that, um, so I know I have my partner. I know that I always have him that has my back and I know he will always be there. And there's a lot of comfort in that. Um, so I think that that is what I like about being married. What do I like about Victor? Victor's listening from the downstairs right now. I know he is. He's like perked up. I know what's going on. Um, what do I like best about Victor? I like that he, um, oh God, this is an impossible question. <coughs> I like that. I like how calm he is in almost every situation. Hang on. <coughs> I like how calm he is in almost every situation. I like how he very, like, I cannot even remember a single time when I've seen him fly off the handle. Like, I fly off the handle enough for both of us. And I think that he is a really good balance to that in that he does not fly off the handle and is really pragmatic. And um, so that might be the thing I like most about him. But like, I also think that my husband is so smart and he always takes care of things and I can always just rely on him. And it's just like, it's easy. It's easy. He's the easiest person I've ever been in a relationship with. <coughs> Hopefully that will be the last question about me and my relationships. Yeah, Victor, Victor Liberty, Liberty Lion says Victor's downstairs writing these questions. Yeah, exactly. Sam says, will I condemn socialism and communism as irrational and repugnant? Yes, I will absolutely condemn socialism and communism as irrational and repugnant. Um, let's see. Uh, media says, how does the rest of your space look? A snapshot of your facing, uh, of your facing would be so interesting to see. I don't want to take a picture of the rest of my space right now because it's messy. <laughs> I have, I am okay. It's just clutter. It's not like messy, messy. It is clutter. But on either side of me, I might have piles of like books and things because I need things to be out in terms of organization. So I don't want to take a, a picture right now, but I'm going to be redoing my space um, soon. So maybe we'll do it then. Let's see. Uh, Boom asks, how did you meet Joshua and what was your impression of him? I met Joshua because um, Joshua used to be a psychic at the Tremont Tea Room in um, Boston. And I'd actually, I'd gone to, I, I worked like literally up the street from the Tremont team room. And it was, that's like one of the oldest like psychic, like parlors or like whatever in the, in the country. Um, or it was, I'm not even sure if it's still in business now. Um, but Joshua used to work there. And uh, I had gone to the Tremont tea room for readings every once in a while, just for fun. And um, I was thinking about, I was working in New Hampshire and I was thinking about coming to Boston and I was like, oh, I should go to the Tremont tea room and get a reading, whatever. So I went to their website and Joshua's picture was on the homepage of the website. And I didn't meet him in person because he was in Los Angeles. And, but for some reason, like his picture was on the front of the website and Joshua, and I actually asked him about this um, 
right after we first started working together in terms of coaching, I said, like, why does your picture look so normal? Because most psychics look crazy in their pictures. So why does your picture look so normal? And he's like, well, I just don't want to look crazy like all those people. So I think the reason that Joshua's picture stuck out to me from the different psychics that worked at the Tremont Tea Room, and he was doing like Zoom readings, he was like a visiting psychic or something, was because he did look normal. He didn't look like a typical psychic. And so I decided to do, I I, I was having um, issues with, I was having, I was having issues at the time. We don't need to go into that story. And so I decided to just do an email reading with him to get some answers to these questions. And so I did this email reading with him, whatever. I got the answers. They were fine. And then um, I remembered, like, it was um, maybe three months after that, I had um, gotten myself fired from the radio station. And if you don't know that story, I, I did. I told the story for my 100,000 uh, subscriber celebration stream. I did get myself fired. I orchestrated my own firing. That was real. Um, but I, I basically did it because I was going to go do my organizational consulting practice full time. And um, and I wanted a coach. I wanted a life coach. I wanted a coach that was going to help me maintain my perspective and, um, you know, make sure I was focused. And I was very into law of attraction and I wanted to be able to utilize that for my business because I think that that's important. And I do believe I've had a lot of success with that. And I remembered from Joshua's website that he did coaching. And I was like, well, you know, maybe having a psychic coach would not be like the worst thing in the world because, you know, psychics can be useful. And Joshua, by the way, and his psychic abilities have been resoundingly useful in terms of like my my psychology business. He helped me out all the time. Like we would he would do readings about stuff. Like if I was going to go do a keynote or something or a presentation, he could tell me what the mood of the room was going to be. He could tell me what colors to wear. He could tell me that, oh, you're probably going to have like a difficult person and they're going to be feeling like this. And and you, you know, make sure you are ready to answer these types of questions and stuff like that. It was incredibly valuable and it was always really accurate. So I signed up for a month of life of life coaching with him. And, um, you know, I think we're six years later. <laughs> And uh, that was how uh, I met him was just a random psychic reading from the Tremont Tea Room several years ago. What was my impression of him? He was, um, I mean, obviously like adorable, but I also just liked his positivity. And I like how what Joshua is so great at is um, no matter what kind of mood I'm in, he is always focused. He is always gracious. He always is so good at handling things. And so, um, and he all, he, he kind of let me, he let me drive the coaching conversation, but he was always, you know, he, he has a way of getting his point across and saying what I need to hear. And so, you know, I've, I've always had a wonderful impression of him. Let's see. Um, ba 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 ba. Oh, Alexandra wants to know if I can make a defund the schools hoodie. Yes, Alexandra, I will make a defund the schools hoodie. Okay, Jan wants to know, and this is a great question for the chat to answer as well. I would love for everyone in the chat, in addition to mounting that like button, I would like everyone in the chat to answer this question as well. Doesn't it just have to be me? What is my favorite guilty pleasure TV show? Uh below deck. 
I fucking love Below Deck. Below Deck is the best. Um, I actually got Victor like a Captain Lee like cameo uh, last year for like Valentine's Day or something. Or maybe it was our anniversary. I forget. I got him a present for something. I got him a Captain Lee Start of the Sea cameo. But I love, I love Below Deck. I love it so much. Yeah, Nat D, I liked the original Gossip Girl. I didn't get too far into this new Gossip Girl because it was so woke. It was so woke. But I loved the original Gossip Girl. Um, Desperate Housewives. Oh my god, that's an oldie buddy goodie. Yep, you guys have got some great, uh, great guilty pleasure TV shows too. But yeah, I like, um, I like Blow Deck. I like the Challenge on MTV. It's so bad, it's so bad, but it's so good. <gasps> Naked and Afraid. Yep. Oh, Alex, of course. Below Deck, of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's a train wreck. You can't stop watching. You can't. And you always know, you always know that you're, they're like, they make everything seem so dramatic. And then, but you know, it's not as dramatic as they're making it seem. They're just trying to build it up to a dramatic ending. Ah, uh, so good. So good. Let's see. Emily says, have you ever looked into Buddhism? And if so, what did you think? Yes, I have. I actually studied Buddhism um, a lot in high school and in um, beginnings of college. And there, there are elements of Buddhism that I believe. Like, I'm a very big believer in meditation. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in um, actually a lot of Buddhist teachings. I think there is a lot of overlap with my belief system in Buddhism. You know, it's funny. In one of the, um, was it in Peru? In one of the ayahuasca ceremonies that I've done, um, we were talking about how um, one person, I remember this lady talked about how her grandmother came to her, her dead grandmother came to her in like ceremony and said, the Buddhists have it right. The Buddhists have it right. The Buddhists are closest to being right. So basically this woman's dead grandmother came back to her and said, of all of the major religions in the world, the Buddhists are the closest to having it right, which she knows because, you know, she's dead and they know that stuff. So I do agree with a lot of, of Buddhist, Buddhist practices, but I do a more generalized spiritualist approach because, again, like it's kind of like you're walking backwards. Right. So I'm very into mindfulness and from mind, basically like so I study Buddhism. Obviously, I've studied a lot of the major religions. Um, I eventually got really into mindfulness. And once you get into like Buddhism or mindfulness and you keep walking it back, eventually you get to woo. And by woo, I mean like energy stuff, law of attraction, um, like astrology, tarot cards. All of that is in like the same category of woo. And so for me, it's kind of like Buddhism is like an entryway to something. But it's like you can keep going with it. And once you keep going, you find out that they're all kind of like interrelated and intertwined. Let's see. Sin says, why did you go into psychology and specifically organizational psychology plus uh, Freud or Jung? Jung? Jung, 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 Jung. All day long, I do not like Freud. I, I have many issues with Freud. I'm not going to say Freud, like everything Freud did sucked, but like I, I much prefer Jung. Um, how did I get into um, psychology and organizational psychology? I was working at Dartmouth. I worked in the uh, development office at Dartmouth, um, which is like the fundraising arm. And they had a professional, a, a director of professional development on staff. And her, her name, I, I won't say her name. I don't want to embarrass her, but um, uh, she's she was an organizational psychologist. And I had, um, I had finished up my MBA 
right before I went to work at Dartmouth. And I was thinking about getting a second master's degree. Fun fact, did you guys know, for as many people as give me shit about my education, did you guys know I got accepted to Dartmouth into a master's program? I did. It's true. I got accepted into an Ivy League school and I decided not to go. But I did. I was going to go to Dartmouth for another master's degree. It was going to be in liberal studies. And actually, this is, you know, this is another, like, so I told you guys, like, I've studied a lot of, like, world religions. Um, at the time that I was, uh, that I got into the master's program at Dartmouth, I was really, 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 really obsessed with the historical Jesus. I have, if you guys knew how many books in my basement are about the historical Jesus and how much I was reading about this and how much I was just like really delving into all of it, like it would blow your mind. And so my big plan was um, Dartmouth. I don't know if they still have it today, but they did then. Um, they had a master's degree in like liberal studies where you really could design your own degree program. And I was going to focus it heavily on religion and like that sort of stuff and like around the the historical Jesus and all that. And then my plan was to go and get like a PhD in that and become a college professor. True story. And that all gets got disrupted because. I was started working with this profession, uh, director of professional development in the fundraising office at Dartmouth. And it was, um, you know, it was like I gotten accepted into this master's program, but it was going to start like the following year. And I wasn't like 100% sure I wanted to do it, but I was kind of like, why not? I work here. It's a benefit. I got into the program anyway. And um and but I started working with this director of professional development and I just kind of really liked organizational psychology. I liked the people aspect of it. I liked I liked how I liked her mentorship. I she kind of took me under her wing and mentored me. And um like I really enjoyed psychology. I enjoyed learning why people do what they did. I thought that it was going to be just a really kind of like valuable skill set to have and I thought, you know what? F it. I don't want to go and study Jesus. <laughs> I want to go and study psychology. And I, 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 I wanted to do it in a way where like I was still working because I really like working. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I really like working. And so I decided like instead of going to Dartmouth and doing like the traditional higher education thing and eventually being like a college professor, I was going to go and do my PhD in psychology focusing on organizational psychology because I was like, okay, well, the psychology piece is going to be useful because, you know, that's pretty applicable in any field. And I just really like industrial organizational psychology. It's something that I find fascinating. And I liked the idea of creating better work environments. I had been bullied very, very severely in the workplace. In the job I had previously to the one at Dartmouth, I was bullied really severely. And so I wanted to be able to serve people by creating better work environments. And I, I also was a self-actualization exercise for me to be able to do a PhD. Um, and I liked the idea of having letters after my name. I, I Honestly, guys, like it is it is funny to be able to force people to call me doctor when I'm being uppity. It just is. I'm sorry. I know people don't like that. But for me to be able to be like in a customer service conversation with someone and be and then being like, miss, miss, miss. And I can go and I can butt in and go, actually, it's doctor. That's a good feeling. And it makes me it makes me laugh. And to force them to call me that, it feels good. Um, so I, I, I was just like intrigued by it. And I have no regrets. I love what I do. I'm going to be... Um, I'm actually going to be launching a crowdfunding 
thing to build um, to build out all of my my workplace programs in an on-demand training platform because I think I do really I, I do really fucking good work in this area. I just don't want to do consulting in this area right now because it would suck up all of my time and I want to be able to do this content stuff. And so I'm going to be building out actually my workplace programs, which I think are solid and are actually grounded in like data and like logic and not woke. Um, I'm going to be launching a crowdfunding campaign to build those out. I'm going to be talking about that in the in the probably next week sometime. So stay tuned for that. Piper Mom says, in terms of your spiritual path, where do you see yourself in, say, 10 years? Well, I mean, so, okay, in terms of my spiritual path, um, I don't think that time is real. Aha, I bet you weren't expecting that as your answer. In my spiritual belief system, time is not real. Everything that has ever happened or will ever happen is happening right now. So in terms of like my spiritual growth and development, I don't know where I'm going to be in what I perceive to be 10 years from now. I know that I, um, I, I, I guess maybe just continuing to evolve and continuing to expand and continuing to serve people in the very best way that I can, but I don't have like, there's no end to spiritual development. Spiritual development is not like you start you um you know you start here and you end here. It is a lifelong process. It is a multi-life process. I think one of the reasons that we live multiple lives is because there's so much to experience and there's so much to learn. You can't do everything in one lifetime. And so I guess in terms of like spiritual development, I don't really worry about where I'm going to be in 10 years. I don't actually even worry about that as from like more of a practical perspective either. Um because I don't think it's useful. I think that you know I have like I I move around a lot and I like doing different things and um you know what interests me today may not interest me 3 years from now let alone 10 years from now if I look back to who I was when I was 30 I was a completely different person at 30 than I am now and so to have 30 year old Carlin making decisions about 40 year old Carlin like that would scare the hell out of me I don't think that sounds like a good idea so I guess we'll see, Piper's mom. Jennifer says, "What life lessons or le- what life lesson or lessons do you think you are currently working on? Can you say what is helping you or hindering you in this?" Okay. What life lessons do I think that I am currently working on? I think what I'm currently working on is, um, well, a couple of things. I think I'm working on. Because, okay, so bigger picture, and Jennifer knows this, bigger picture, I think that we we come to this lifetime, all of us come to li- the, this lifetime to have certain experiences and to, to, you know, work through different types of issues or challenges that maybe we've had in a previous life that maybe are just an experience that we want in this life, what have you. What I think I'm currently working on now is... Um, basically trying to release and let go of so much control. I think that's definitely something I'm working on. I think I'm working on trusting my inner voice and not worrying about anything that any chambermaid brigade says about me on the internet. No matter if they're lying all over the internet about me or not, that's what I'm working on. And I think I'm working on the unconditional love piece. I'm really trying to work on forgiveness 
and showing people that have caused me a lot of stress and a lot of anger unnecessarily. I'm working on trying to um, show them as, treat them as I think God would. Showing them unconditional love, forgiving them, trying to look at them at as the quite frankly the broken human beings they are and i don't say that as any sort of own i think that's a sad thing i think it is sad that so many people are using mental illness to attack other people or using perceptions of mental illness to attack other people i think that is so incredibly sad like if I look at someone and I see that is a broken person that obviously has severe self-esteem issues, that does not love themselves, that does not have direction in life, that is attacking me because they think it's going to make them feel better when it's not, that has actual probably mental health problems if we're honest about it. I don't think that mental health is something to attack people for. I think it's a sad thing. And so... I think probably the biggest thing I'm working on right now is learning how to forgive people who have made my life difficult, who have gotten in my way, who have done all manner of bullshit to me on the internet. I'm trying to learn how to see them for the broken people that I think they are and forgive them and wish them well on their journey. That's, I think, what I'm working on. I could be wrong, though. Who knows? People in the chat are asking what my hat says. It says the Granite Republic. This is um, my friend Patrick has this company that he's um, he's selling these flags and he's got also it's like a life. It's like a New Hampshire lifestyle brand. Um, they've got lots of cool New Hampshire stuff. I recommend everyone check them out. They're cool. Uh, Kazmar says, if you could spend the day with someone past or living, who would it be? And what would you talk about? Jesus. I would love to spend the day with Jesus. I have so many questions for Jesus. So many questions. Like, I think my conceptualization of Jesus is like, I don't think that Jesus is like the son of God, the way, the truth and the light and all that stuff. I don't, I don't think that at all. I think that Jesus was an absolutely a master. I think he was, a, he, he was definitely a master. He understood exactly what he was doing. Um, I don't think he's the only spiritual master who has ever lived. But I would definitely want to spend the day with Jesus to say like, how much do people get right about you? What did they get wrong about you? What do you want people to know about your intentions? What do you want people to know? So basically, so I have this book on my desk. We might be talking about this book as part of the Disenrage series. It's called The Course in Miracles. You guys can see my webcam in the shiny book. Um, how many people have read A Course in Miracles or have studied A Course in Miracles? A Course in Miracles, the premise behind this book is that this book is basically channeled from Jesus coming back to say, here are all the ways in which you idiots misinterpreted me in the Bible. And I'm going to correct some things because there's so much overlap between this and the Bible. There's so much overlap between this book and the lessons you learn in the Bible. But this book is like, Let's just be clear about what I actually meant when I said these things, because the Bible has obviously gone through a whole number of interpretations and 
Jesus takes issue with some of those interpretations according to this book. And this is a clarification. So I want to know if that's true. Now, I think there are wonderful lessons in this book. We're going to talk about this book. Um, is it Jesus being channeled to say, like, here is what I really meant? I don't know. Maybe. But I'd like to know if it was. I want to know what Jesus actually could do and what he couldn't. I want to know if he really got resurrected. I don't think he did. I think his resurrection was that um, none of us die after, like, our physical death. We all live on. We just change forms. Energy is neither created or destroyed. It just changes forms. If you have a person you would spend the day with, uh, go ahead and chat them in. Let's see. Let's see. We got some people saying Noah, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Gracio Marx, Kurt Cobain, Picasso. You know, I got to see some Picassos a couple weeks ago when I went to an art event in Boston. All right. Let's see. Um, is there an update on, um, on my brother-in-law essentially? Um, so, uh, those of you who don't know, um, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Misha, who is Victor's brother, um, he is on the front lines in the war in Ukraine. He volunteered to go. He wanted to go. Um, everything is fine. <laughs> He's not dead. <laughs> um, thankfully, um, I'm not sure when the last time Victor talked to him was, but uh, everything seems to be fine. And thank you for asking. Um, Meomai99 in local says, at the LGBT debate in Florida, the walkaway team attended before the election. The moderator made a comment at the very end indicating the debate almost didn't take place due to issues on both sides. What was he talking about? At the very end, as they were rolling credits, I saw you get up out of the audience to join others on the stage. Since you were there, I thought you know what the moderator was referring to. Um, yeah, I was definitely there. Um, I don't remember specifically, to be honest with you. I do remember that it was, um, so I wasn't really involved in that. I just kind of went to it because I wanted to go to be there to support them. Um, I do vaguely remember that there were issues in terms of getting people to agree to do the debate, not on Walkaway's side. I don't think that was on Walkaway's side. I think it was on the other, the opposing side. Um, so I don't think there were problems from the, t the Walkaway team. I think there were problems from the other side. But I truly don't remember that much about it, if I'm honest. But thank you for asking. All right. Let me just refresh my locals to see if anyone has posted any more questions there. And it doesn't look like they have. So we're going to go to Twitter. So I took a bunch of questions on Twitter today um, for the same thing. Um, and let's just go through them and we'll see if anyone asks anything good. I might not go through all of them, but... Oh, God. Ben says, be careful. Remember the last time you did this and someone asked about your sex life. I don't know why people on the Internet are so obsessed with my sex life. OK, not everyone is obsessed with my sex life. Only a very small group of haters are obsessed with my sex life. But it's kind of like. God, if you're like that obsessed with my sex life, you must really fucking want to fuck me. <laughs> Which I really, you know, I guess whatever. Um no, I have, I, I don't know why people are obsessed with my sex life and they really need to stop. My sex life is not that exciting. I promise you my sex life is not that exciting, except when it is, but most of the time it isn't. Um, okay. 
J.M. Tropolo says, have you studied or read about other religions? What was the catalyst that brought you to your spiritual perspective today? Well, I've already kind of answered um, some of this in terms of like, yeah, I've studied other religions. I haven't studied all of them. Um, Buddhism and Christian, well, not even Christianity. Well, kind of um, like Buddhism and like the historical Jesus. Most energy into like multiple times i've actually versions of the bible to see like what versions say which things and what versions don't say which things and all that um and i know like you know it's just anyway it, it got to be a little bit much after a while um but what brought me to my current place is really it was just a progression from like okay i believe psychology i i, I like buddhism buddhism feels pretty good I like mindfulness. Mindfulness feels pretty good. There's some overlap with Buddhism and mindfulness. Obviously, Zen is Zen Buddhism. And then like a lot of Zen principles are are also exist in mindfulness as well. And then you add psychology onto it. And it was just like the perfect storm of all of these subjects that I was interested in. And then you just keep working your way back. And if you look at the literature in psychology and the literature in mindfulness and things like that, they actually align more than people think with like energy and woo and law of attraction and all that. There is a lot of research around meditation and the impacts of meditation on the brain and how that how that impacts your larger experience. And we're going to be talking about some of those things on the channel. And so um, basically, I just kind of kept working my way back and eventually landed there. And I've, I've always had an interest in this sort of stuff. I always, always had interest in like occulty type things and magic and witches and spells and things like that. I never really like, you know, I and I dabbled in it for like a long time. But this is, you know, it's just about like, you know, I continued learning and reading and meditating. Meditation was probably the biggest thing that pushed me into this perspective. And, you know, maybe psychedelics, too. Maybe that. Um, Rudy with an I says, oh, God, this is an awful question. Marry one, bang one, kill one. Ben Shapiro, Blair White, Vladimir Putin. Oh, God. Marry one, kill one, bang one. Ben Shapiro, Blair White, Vladimir Putin. Okay. This might be controversial. I would bang Vladimir Putin. Of those three options. I'm not saying just of, of, of general. I'm saying of the three options I've been presented, Ben Shapiro, Blair White, or Vladimir Putin, I would bang Vladimir Putin. I would. Because he's Russian, and I bet he is a very powerful man in bed. <laughs> So even though he invaded my husband's country, and I'm not happy about that, of the three options presented, that would be the answer for that. Okay, so now, and I, I'm sorry, oh God, I feel so bad. Okay, between Blair and Ben, I would have to marry Ben Shapiro, which would not probably, you know what, honestly, ah, I might change my answer on that. Okay, let's do a pros and cons. Ben Shapiro, I think Ben Shapiro would probably be, not that like I would fall in love with him, but like if he was in a relationship, I could see Ben Shapiro actually being a really great husband. I could see him being a supportive husband. He takes care of his family. He obviously loves his kids. I think that that would probably be like the smart choice to marry. On the other hand, I think I would get along better with Blair White. 
I've met Blair a couple times. I, I think Blair is a good person. I think she's a very nice person. I think I would probably get along better with her. But at the end of the day, I would probably marry Ben Shapiro, which means I would have to kill Blair White. And I feel really bad about that, but I'm just working with the options that I've been given. Because again, like marriage is a different thing. Marriage is not like, yeah, Ben Ben would definitely, yes, you're 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 correct. I think that he would be deeply boring in bed. But like, again, like when you've been married for 10 years, almost 11 years, marriage is about something different than than sex. Marriage is about having a partner, having someone that's going to be there for you, having someone you can rely on, having stability. And I just think that Ben Shapiro is probably a really good husband. I think he probably would be. And I feel really bad because I don't want to kill Blair, but that's just the way that leveled out. Okay, that was a horrible question. Don't ever do that to me again. Thank you. Um, Danimal Crackers says, do you think people across multiple spiritual practices haphazardly tap into the same thing, God, without realizing it and if so what's the vehicle prayer meditation song dance that gets them there yes i think that i think that um i don't think there's a right way to come to god i don't think that the way that i have found god is right for everyone i also don't think that everyone's going to come to god i don't think that everyone is intended like i i, I think that atheism is a very valid path it's it's extremely valid. There is no like undeniable proof that God exists. So atheism is an extremely valid path. Um, agnosticism, I think, is a valid path. Um, but I think like most of the like of the major world religions, there is actually a lot of overlap between those religions. And I think that inadvertently they trip over each other. Right. And so I think it's just a matter of like different people are finding God in the way that they were supposed to in this lifetime. And for some of those people, they will be consistent throughout their entire life. And for some of those people, they won't be, you know? And so um, what's the vehicle for finding God? Prayer. I think all of these things work. I think you can find God in prayer. I think you can find God in meditation. I think you can find God in song. I think you can find God in dance. I think you can find God in art. I think you can find God in music. I think you can find God in, I don't know, laying out in an open field, like in the middle of the day, looking up at the sky and all the stars and all of those things. You can find God in everything. You can find God in a bottle of plastic pla uh, plastic water bottle, you know? God is everywhere. God is everything. God created everything. We are all God. I believe that we are all God. We are, every single one of us is a little piece of God that is broken off to come and have this human experience. From a religious perspective, if God is all loving and you go to heaven no matter what, what's the incentive to not be evil? Karma. Karma, karma, karma. Because you will experience what you put out in the world. You will experience the repercussions for what you put out in the world. If I don't I don't believe there is good and bad. I don't I think that everything can be good and everything can be bad. 
And it just depends on the perspective. So I don't think there's any objective good or any objective bad. Now you might say, well, Carlin, what prevents you from murdering someone? I don't want to go to jail, dude. I don't want to go to jail. What prevents me from murdering someone? I don't want to go to jail. But also, I think that the spiritual jail that you go to when you murder someone is probably worse than the physical jail. I think the knowledge that you murdered someone that you have to carry with you for the entire rest of your life, thinking about who that person could have been, thinking about their family, thinking about the people that you took them away from, thinking about the life experiences that you took them away from. I think that that spiritual jail is just as bad as, as whatever physical jail you get put in. So you do things because like, and I think this is true of anything like mo most listen, most things that are bad for us are not against the law. It is not against the law to break someone's heart. It is not against the law to, to lie about someone on the internet. I mean, you maybe could sue for defamation, but that's really hard. It is not against the law to betray a friend. It is not against the law to, um, to turn your back on your family. It is not against the law to do any of those things. Why do people think that the law is the only thing that prevents people from doing things that could be negative. There are, there are just as many consequences to those. And so what prevents me from doing things that are negative? Well, karma. I don't want to experience negative repercussions. Um, sometimes I do things that I know are going to turn around to bite me in the ass, and I do them anyway because I've, I've done a cost-benefit analysis, and I'm like, it's worth it. It is worth it. But I don't think that the threat of going to hell doesn't scare me at all. That is not a reason not to do something. The ramifications I would have right now are a reason not to do something. All right, let's see. Lauren from, I think, Louisiana, not L.A., says, You have shared your religious beliefs. I have wondered if your husband shares them, has his own, or has no religious beliefs. Feel free to tell me that's none of my business. That's a good question. Does my husband share my religious beliefs? No. I don't I think he's pretty agnostic, to be honest. It's not something we've actually really talked about. He's definitely not like into like the woo. I don't think he really gets like the tarot cards. My husband does. Okay, I don't have it here. Um but I have all sorts of like crystals on my desk, right? I love crystals. This is like energy. All crystals have different energies. It's a citrine crystal. I've got this monster like smoky quartz crystal. I've got all sorts of stuff on my desk. This is, I got this crystal in Peru. This is crystal quartz. It's got charged. This, this crystal got charged on Machu Picchu. How cool is that? That crystal went all the way up to the top of Machu Picchu with me. Anyway. I have a crystal that I wear around my neck um, like anytime basically I leave the house and it's called Numite. And Numite is a really, and I swear this relates back to Victor. Numite is a really, really powerful crystal. It's very grounding. It's it's thousands of years old. It comes from like volcanoes and it's it's got like, it's black and it has little sparkles in it. If you ever see me in person and you see me wearing a black stone around my neck, that's Numite. That's like my crystal. That's like my like power crystal, okay? Victor also has a Numite stone because, so 
I can actually like if I here's a small one. Here's like a what is this? I think this is like a I forget what this is like cerulean. I think this is cerulean. When I wrap my hand around crystals like this, I can feel different energies. So I'm actually feeling in my hand right now with that crystal, it feels like it's buzzing. Okay. And any, every crystal has like a different energy. Now for Victor, I can feel pretty much the energy of like any of these things. Victor can't. Except for his new might stone, which is exactly like mine. It's just a little, it's a little black disc about, about yay thick. Victor has a stone that looks exactly like the one I wear around my neck that when he closes his hands around it, he can feel the energy from it. He carries that thing with him everywhere, everywhere. It is like his lucky rock because he can feel it. So does he believe the same thing as me? No, but a little bit, a little bit here and there, but that's okay. We don't need to agree. We don't all need to agree. I am perfectly fine with my husband believing whatever he wants to believe about the world. It is his life. He should do exactly what he wants. AD says, Jesus had two fathers. I love how that freaks out conservatives. <laughs> AD, I hadn't thought of it like that. That is funny. I bet they, I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker, AD. Let's see. Kevin from the internet says, in the modern age of whatever the hell this is, where do you, we, find our moral spiritual compass? How do you guide the lost without using religion or the state as a crux of this? I think my answer to that is the same answer that I had um, earlier to uh, to this question about, like, if I don't believe in God and I don't believe in hell, then what's the incentive to not be bad? It's karma. What we are going to experience in this lifetime is going to reflect what we contribute. It's going to reflect how we treat people. It's going to reflect how we show up in the world. It's going to, okay, F-Web, this is not welcome in this chat. You don't have to believe in crystals. No one is, no one is coming in and calling you ignorant because of what you believe. So what's going to happen is you're going to get put in a timeout. You can cool your jets and you can come back. But so I think it's karma. I think that we what we what we experience in this lifetime will be a reflection of what we contribute. And so if you're treating people horribly, if you are if you are like um, throwing people under the bus, if you are, um, you know, if you're doing those things, that's going to come back to bite you. That's going to be your moral compass. You shouldn't need a law against something in order to guide your behavior to acting like an adult. Karma is, yes, that karma is real and it might not come back to bite you immediately and you, it might not, and you might not even know when it comes back to bite you because like the incident that you're getting bitten for took place months before the karma comes and gets you in the ass, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come. And so I think there are very basic differences. I think like I write about this in the book. There are two types of people in the world. There are creators and there are destroyers. Creators are going to go out and serve people. They're going to build things. They're going to create things. They're going to um, they're going to create something of value to the world. They're going to, whether it's a business or they're um, helping people out or they're just being a, a good caretaker or what have you, they're giving value to people. Destroyers do the opposite. 
instead of building things of value on their own and focusing their energy productively, they try to destroy everything around them. And it's a self-esteem issue. It's a confidence issue, all that stuff. People who actively go out and try to destroy the work of others are going to get bitten in the ass for it every single time. It's like if you throw your boss under the bus, your boss can fire you, but your boss can also make sure that it is known in the industry you work in that you are not someone to be trusted. So you're going to get bit in the ass for whatever you did. And that's how you guide people because you have to learn that every action has an equal or opposite reaction. And when we put good things out into the world, we tend to get more good things back to us. When we work harder, we tend to get more rewards. You know, people say it all the time. It's like people think that like overnight successes pop up overnight, right? It's like what an overnight success is. Overnight successes are almost never overnight. Overnight successes are usually years of hard work and people who become overnight successes what they say is that, um, you know, the harder they worked, the luckier they got. There's a reason for that. Let's see. Has anyone asked about my sex life yet? No, thank God. No, thank God. Not yet. Uh, Michelle Tyler uh, McMorris says, how big is the libertarian population in New Hampshire? I mean, it's, it's, it's bigger than most places proportionally. We probably have 1% of the population in New Hampshire, but the libertarians in New Hampshire are highly, highly active. We might have 1% of the overall population, but we have 25% of our, our uh, New Hampshire House of Representatives, of our state House of Representatives. So they're activists. They're the most hardcore liberty people in the world. And they're all congregated in one place. And more and more people are moving here all the time. So only going to get bigger and it, it and it and we're able to dictate legislation we're able to listen new hampshire just nullified all federal gun laws that wouldn't have happened without the libertarians all right let me see hang on guys i gotta blow my nose stand by i'll be right All right, I'm back. I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. All right, let me see. Simon says, how can we find meaning in life? I think that the purpose of life is experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. The reason that I think we've been created is because God, as a massive like energy in the sky, God wanted to understand itself better. But you can't understand yourself if you're just like one person and you have nothing to compare it with, right? Because we tend to learn best by contrast. If if you know, like if, if someone asks you, what things do you like the most? What most people are going to do is they're going to think about the things that they hate the most. And that's how they're going to determine what they like the most. Okay. So it's like, if you, if, if someone says, oh, do you like taking warm showers? Well, yeah. But do you even understand what that means if you've never had a cold shower? You can't really understand how great a warm shower is unless you've taken a cold shower, right? Because cold showers really, 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 really suck. They really suck. 
And once you take that cold shower, when your water heater breaks three days before your wedding, as it did, ha has that happened to me? When you take that, when the, the power goes out and like, you don't have the, anyway, that's what that's anyway. Um, so when you take a cold shower, you have a whole new appreciation for, for what a hot shower is because you have that contrast, right? If God is trying to understand itself and God has nothing to compare itself to, that's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be much harder. And so what I think happened is that God broke itself off into billions and billions and billions of little pieces and sent because God, God is infinite, right? It's an infinite amount of energy and sent itself all over the universe to have those little bits of pieces have experiences in which they could interact with each other and learn about different types of experiences, different types of emotions that can only happen when there's more than one, right? And so I think that the purpose of life, what we're supposed to be doing here, how we can find meaning is that our purpose is to experience. It's to experience everything. It's to experience good. It's to experience bad. It's to experience the most extreme of good and the most extreme of bad. Because the more that we under the more of the most extreme bad we experience, the more we're going to appreciate the good. The more that we are going, and actually, by the way, our greatest spiritual development tends to come when we experience negative things. It's called the dark night of the soul. The more negative our experiences are, the more spiritual, the more rapid spiritual development we are going to experience. And that just makes sense, right? Do you have any incentive to grow or to push outside of yourself when times are good? No. So like in going back to that tweet that got me in so much trouble, like, like why would people choose to be in the Holocaust? Why would people choose to die in one of the most horrific things that, ever, that has ever happened? Well, they made that choice before they were human. They made that choice when they were spirit. They made that choice when they knew there was no such thing as death. They made that choice because it led to probably a lot of rapid spiritual development. And it led to all of us having a new understanding and a new appreciation for peace and security and all of the things that are the opposite of what happened in the Holocaust. So there are definitive reasons that we might choose to experience really negative, really horrific things. just blocking someone that's being problematic in the chat after he got a warning not blocking willy-nilly he got a warning and he continued to be a douche so that's why what i think the meaning of life is is it's it's to experience whatever we choose to experience jonathan or joseph jonathan says what kind of legacy do you want to leave when you're gone how would you like to be remembered oh god um I want to be someone that inspired other people to, to express themselves and their beliefs. I want to be someone that inspired other people to know that it was okay to change your mind. I want to be an example of, I want to live an authentically, an a, 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 a unapologetically authentic experience. I want to leave a record of living an unapologetically authentic experience because I think that, um, I think that too many people are, I think that people are too influenced by, um, 
what they feel like they should be doing or image or being an influencer or status or any of these things. I don't think, I don't, I think when historians look back, they're going to have a really hard time finding what the actual human experience of this moment was. And I want to leave an authentic record of what one human experienced in this moment. And maybe it'll mean nothing. And maybe no historian will ever look at it. But um, at least I, I will have left something, I guess. And I, if I can inspire people along the way, um, if I can serve people, if I can help people to lead a better, more empowered life, to know what they're truly capable of, to know that you don't need to be like the most perfect looking person in the world or the smartest person in the world in order to positively impact the lives of other people. That I think would be a pretty good legacy. I think that's what I'm going for. What are golden showers? God damn it, AD. That's unappropriate. Inappropriate. Fish Attic 2 says, Have led a moral life but never thought about hell? Question. Occasional mild depression open to a crystal that might help on these days. I mean... So the thing with crystals is like, if you don't believe they're going to help, then they're not going to help. Right. So the first thing I would say is like, I don't know. I don't always know. Like, I, I'm, I'm not like great about knowing the, the the like intrinsic healing properties of every single crystal. So it's hard for me to recommend one. Right. I would say just like go to a crystal store and see which ones strike you. I mean, I think that crystal quartz is usually a good one. It's like nice, pure white light. Right. So that's going to be good for you pretty much any time. I would say that. um. Oh, gosh. I would say something white, to be honest. If I had to make a recommendation, it would probably be crystal quartz. Maybe like rose quartz. I have, hang on. Oh. Uh, I was going to try to get a rose quartz, but it's like buried under my knitting. So I won't do that right now. But I would say like also with like mild depression. I mean, don't, don't, don't just put all your trust in crystals, man. Like, like crystals are fine and crystals are fun and all that stuff. But I would say, you know, get up and go for a walk, get out in nature, go, go work out, go, go do something that makes you happy. Go, um, like, like, and even like, and I, and I know I'm, and I don't want to oversimplify depression because I've, I've experienced depression and I know it's not quite this simple, but it's also kind of like a fake it till you make it moment, especially when it's mild depression. Severe depression is a whole other thing. But like with mild depression, I would just say like, do whatever you need to do to force yourself to even pretend to be happy or even just make yourself feel like a little bit better. Don't don't even shoot for pure happiness right off the bat because depression again is hard. Don't shoot for pure happiness. Like shoot for like, I feel a little bit better today. I want to get out of bed today. I, I like that ice cream cone was like really effing good. But if you want to get a crystal, I would recommend something light. I mean, I guess you could go for something green too. Green is like heart chakra. So that might be my, my advice for now. Let me see. Let me go back to uh, my Twitter questions. What was your favorite part, moment, or event of Porkfest? Oh, my God. My favorite part of Porkfest. I, 
I don't know. Porkfest is just so great. There's so like what one of the reasons Porkfest is so great is just like all of these like random meetings that you might have. I think in terms of like my speaking stuff and like the events that I that I did, um, I think my debate with Karen Testerman for governor. So Karen Testerman is a Republican that's running for governor in New Hampshire. Obviously, some of you know that I am the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire endorsed candidate for governor of New Hampshire. Um, so I'm running for governor too, technically. And we had a debate and it was a really good debate. And um, Kevin Tyson moderated it and uh, did a great job with that. And there's going to be video of it. And I think I did a really good job. And I was pretty pleased with um, by the end of the debate, Karen was saying she would vote for me, which, you know, it's always if you can get your opponent in a, in a debate to say that they're going to vote for you, I think that you probably won. So I'm going to go with that. Um, but I think Porkfest is really just about like getting out of the day to day getting away from all of the toxic elements that make this world suck so badly and going off and being in a, an environment that is easily attainable if people just want to attain it. Just being able to relax, being able to be in nature, being able to walk. Like I had a conversation with a guy this guy, so like when you're a pork fest, you're just on a giant campground, right? And so you can walk around and people are like selling stuff out of their tents and they all have like these little shops. And in the far corner of pork fest, way off in the back, in the middle of the woods, I had a conversation with a guy that had all of these like plant medicines and like shamanic medicines and all that. And he was so out of it. But he was like, we, we had like a very spiritual conversation and he had this tiny little kitten. This kitten was like, this big it was a tiny 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 little six week old kitten and that kitten was just hanging out with him in the woods and that guy sat and i sat at his picnic table for like an hour just like shooting the shit and talking about life and talking about different types of plant medicines and like in the middle like this i would never have met this guy in real life i had a great time hanging out with the Mises caucus was obviously really great. Um, the Mises caucus town was hopping. And, you know, I'm one of those people where like, I, I'm an introvert, but I like being around. Um, I like being around people, but I like not always interacting with those people. <laughs> and so it was one of those things where I would kind of just like sit back in my chair and have a beer and just kind of like watch everyone else interacting with each other. And that's like, that was just really nice. And, um, no, Porkfest was amazing. I hope everyone comes to Porkfest next year. <laughs> Let me see. I'm skipping some of the questions because I want to go to bed at some point. Um, what is my my go-to adult beverage? I mean, beer. I love craft beer. Craft beer. Oh, there was Beergasm at Porkfest. Holy shit. One of the best things at Porkfest was an event called Beergasm, where in order to participate in Beergasm, you had to bring six craft beers of your own. So I think I brought I brought a whole bunch of different craft beer and you put them all out on a table and everyone brings six beers at least. And then you just open everyone else's beers and you just sample everyone else's beers. And there was like easily over a hundred craft beers sitting out that you just got to try all the different kinds. I got so drunk, but it was so good. I had so many good craft beers. There was one craft beer in particular. I think it was from Connecticut. I have a picture of it that was, it was like a sour beer, but it was aged in an absinthe barrel. 
And that was just like, it was so delicious. It was so good. There was also one beer. It was like a 15% like deep coffee beer. And it, it, it looked like mud when it looked like it looked like thick melted chocolate when they poured it out of the bottle. It was so good. Oh, it was like drinking a milkshake. It was so good. And so beergasm at pork fest you can't beat that but in terms of my like favorite go-to adult beverage beer but like it has to be like good beer like i really like i like uh craft stouts i like porters i like i'm i'm really getting accustomed to sours because so many breweries are making sours it's like those are pretty good i don't like ipas other people do but that would probably be it. If I had to do, do like a cocktail, my go-to cocktail is going to be uh, uh, Dirty Martini, Blue Cheese Stuffed Olives. Dirty Martini with Belvedere, Blue Cheese Stuffed Olives. Let's see. I think that's actually it. I think that's it for my Twitter questions. Now, I have a couple lists of, like, other spirituality-related questions, but you know what? I think I'm going to save those for another day. <laughs> I think I'm going to save those for another day. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Um, I hope that some of this was interesting to you. Again, like, the new direction and this disenrage thing is I want to talk about life. I want to talk about things that are not just like woke stuff all the time or how much how much the Democrats suck or how much the media sucks. Don't worry. We're going to talk about that stuff, too. We're still going to talk about that, but not as part of the disenraged series. The disenraged series are going to be about the the parts of life that are fun and grand and about the human experience. And I want to I want to bring on a lot of different people that um, have different like out of the box experiences in order to try to inspire people and to see the bigger picture and to see the point of like, like all of this, because if we're just spending all of our time fighting back against the woke left, you know, what are we really fighting for? What are we trying to create? What are we trying to build? I think that that's, that's you know, going to be the most important thing. What? Is my first name Iris? No. That is incorrect. Whatever that everybody wiki article says is incorrect. My first name is not Iris. Not in any way. That art Doesn't that article also say I'm a lesbian? Married to a dude, everybody, Wiki. 11 years. Yeah, Iris is a fine name. It's just not mine. I, I wish I had a name as simple as Iris. That would be great. All right, guys. So I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to head to bed. But if you have anyone that you would like me to bring on the channel or any topics that you would like me to try to tackle as, a, as part of this uh, Disenrage series to be a little bit more optimistic, a little bit more focused on the bigger picture, let me know. Leave a comment. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's stream. I feel a lot better. Doesn't the energy just feel better when we're not talking about bullshit all the time? Doesn't the energy just feel better? and nicer and like like more engaging and something that you want to spend time in not something that you're like screaming about and are angry about all the time way better way better so we're gonna be doing a lot more stuff on this i hope you guys are happy i hope you're excited 
mount that like button for me if you are. And uh, that's all I'm going to have for right now. Thank you for hanging out with me for a couple of hours and we'll see you soon.